Hello, and welcome to Codish, an exploration of the lives of modern developers. Join us as we dive into topics like languages and frameworks, data and event-driven architectures, and individual and team productivity, all tailored to developers and engineering leaders. This episode is part of our Tools and Tips series. Welcome to Codish. This is Greg Noakes, Distinguished Technical Architect with Salesforce Heroku. Um, today I'm talking with Innocent, a senior developer at Raygun. Innocent, could you tell me a little bit about what Raygun is and what you do at Raygun? So Raygun is in the performance monitoring space. Uh, we provide tools and utilities that developers use to improve their software quality through uh, crash reporting uh, and uh, browser performance and uh, application performance monitoring as well. So how do you approach the performance monitoring and kind of the application introspection? So when I look at uh, an application that is performing suboptimal, firstly, my philosophy is the absence of crash reports does not mean that, you know, software is performing really well. There are hidden things in software. There are tools that we use when we develop that don't work 100% very well as we would want them to. But, I mean, they do get the job done, but there are areas in there that can be improved. So I tend to take a holistic picture. I look at the size of my audience. And uh, if it's something sizable that gets a lot of traffic, uh, for example, a shopping cart that gets a lot of traffic on a Black Friday, I would want to be... Uh, in a comfort zone when I know that during the peak periods, my application is still performant. So I tend to look at uh, the end user, how their experience looks like during uh, very high peak periods. And from there, I start working my way back to the technology that is supporting that application so the first point of call is obviously load times for a user, the response codes that they are experiencing on their end. And uh, from there, I try and determine whether it's an issue with their browser or an issue with the software on the server side. Given that it's an issue on the software with the server side, I would then start looking into all the applications surrounding that application that supports the final product that the customer is seeing and pick that apart, find what exceptions I'm experiencing. If there are no exceptions, then look into uh, maybe the queries that are running behind the scenes. If I'm using an object relational mapper, that's a favorite one for me to go to. I'll then look to see how often uh, certain code paths are being executed uh, if we're experiencing any form of N plus one queries and uh, look into ways of uh, restructuring the code and remodeling uh, the data that we are presenting to the user so that it comes out of the database in a more consistent and timely fashion. And I, I assume that at Raygun you provide tools so you can do that introspection so you can examine your code in a running environment and then get good feedback on on what it's actually doing? Yes, uh, definitely we do. 
it's a well-rounded approach but you know one size doesn't fit all uh from time to time i find myself having to put some arbitrary measurements inside my application that get reported in a separate dashboard that reagan doesn't provide but overall reagan does provide a one-stop shop for most of the things that i would want to cite in my application performance Right. And one of the tactics I like to use is taking apart an individual request. Like you said, you know, looking at the time I'm spending in the different functions, the the time I'm spending talking to my backing services, whether it be databases or or APIs or whatever, and see where I can, you know, tune a little bit more performance out of out of highly hit endpoints or endpoints that are that are accessed a lot in my code does raygun help me do that as well i think this is the area where raygun really shines because it paints that picture straight from the user experience right down to the server side performance so when you load a page in your browser and uh, the telemetry of uh, the performance is sent through to raygun as well as your application running under a performance application monitoring on the server side and crash reports for it coming through. We can then associate all those telemetries together and uh, show you that this user experience is associated with these crash reports and it is associated with these stack traces on the server side. So you've got that holistic picture of customer experience on uh, the browser relating to the server performance on the backend. That sounds super powerful. So do you have uh, folks that use your tool inject some JavaScript into their their web pages and some code to go ahead and capture the execution? Or do you have a different way of approaching that collection of that telemetry? Yes, we do take that approach of um, injecting uh, a little lightweight snippet of code into uh, your JavaScript on the front end. We've got a very light SDK on the back end that hooks into your exceptions. And APM takes sort of a different approach where you don't have to do anything within your code, but you do have to install an agent that runs against the server that is running your code. So um, I assume it's like a lightweight gem or something, being, being that I'm a Ruby person, um, something that I would just put into my bundle or file and then go ahead and pass off like an API token to access your guys' service so I can start feeding that information directly in and then start generating those reports. Yes, that is 100% correct. Uh, and uh, seeing that you are a Ruby person, I have just been working uh, in the APM team these past few weeks, and uh, we did launch uh, APM for Ruby. Oh, cool. So the way it works is you have got um, one or two gems that you will reference depending whether you are using Rails or uh, Sidekick. That gem, you then provide environment variable that holds your uh, API key for the first run. Once we see that key, API key for the first run, it then gets persisted in a JSON file that we will uh, read over and over and over again for as many times as you restart your application. 
Now I see you also have some uh, crash reporting. Are you using those same sort of tools for crash reporting or are you introspecting the logs or, or what are you using for that? For crash reporting, we've got uh, lightweight SDKs or lightweight providers that you inject in your code. Generally, the way it works, uh, there's two approaches. We provide a catch-all, so all your unhandled exceptions that don't gracefully terminate a request, we can tap into those exceptions and report on them. But there's a better way because uh, we try and encourage best practices for developers when they are working with software. And one of the best practices is you anticipate and handle all the exceptions in your application so that the user experience is not clunky, but you gracefully handle and try and recover where it is possible. But an exception is an exception. You do need to know about it when it happens. So we do offer a way of uh, manually sending those exceptions as they okay and you catch them in your try-catch block. Uh, I'm not sure what the equivalent of Ruby here is. Um, a .NET person, so I'll give the examples from a .NET uh, perspective. So when you catch your exceptions, Effectively, that exception has been handled and it might not bubble up all the way into the hook for the catch-all. So there you will have to implement some manual logging. The same way we would log those exceptions to you know, a text file and uh, then have a look at it or maybe log to a database. That's the same way you would just log those exceptions to Reagan. And doing so also comes with an added advantage of uh, you can add tags and extra information uh, maybe relating to the user who experienced that uh, exception. And it offers you better troubleshooting options when you know who has been affected, when it happened, where it happened. So being able to tie together the, the browser experience and the code introspection on the server, that seems pretty powerful. Do you have a method of tracking, say, a user's journey through the application? So I could, you know, maybe with uh, anonymized data, look at one user as they transit through the application and, and see all the, the endpoints that they hit and, and see what their individual experience is like? Uh, yes, definitely we do. So our RAM tool, uh, when it is integrated with your application, uh, first and foremost, your user information is an opt-in. So uh, when you do opt-in, you populate the fields with the information that you are most interested in. So the anonymization uh, part of it there. Uh, is totally within your control. And then we do follow the user using our internal session ID. So the SDK uh, that is integrated with your code, your JavaScript on the front end, creates a session ID that we track internally within Reagan. And we follow through the user through every single page that they visit. And that internal ID can be associated with your uh, crash reports. So for example, if your user were to experience a JavaScript exception, 
that would also get sent through to Reagan to the crash report endpoint with the same session ID. And we also check the session ID associated with uh, that is issued by your browser. When you experience an exception on the server side, that browser session ID is present in that uh, exception. That's how we're able to correlate those two. So we actually have the full user experience and their individual sessions on the server side. That's really cool. Yes, and over time, we're also able to give you a complete picture of uh, how the user's session uh, performed from the point they visited your page, logged in, visited a couple of pages, and then uh, left your your application. And the crash reports and the traces relating to that particular user are also tied up with that session uh, on the Reagan side. An important point, though, is with uh, APM, we don't track all the traces for every user depending on the sampling uh, ratios that you choose because APM tends to send a lot of data, a lot of it which might be uh, just fluff, you might not be interested in. So we've got a sampling strategy that sort of reduces uh, a lot of that noise and give you some interesting information when the interesting information is available. So not all users might have traces, but if you set up your tracing for one for one, we will have all that information. So how do you combine, you know, I understand having kind of that user uh, token that you can follow them around with. How do you combine, say, multiple users' experience and and multiple application functions' experience into kind of a holistic view of the kind of overall application performance, almost like a, a generic score or something like that? Do you have a concept like that? Or yes, indeed, we do. So we have been speaking of uh, the user specifics, which is a result of a drill down. When we actually go a number of levels higher and get a bird's eye view on the application, you will get your aggregated stats on the application performance, say for the RAM product. You will have each page aggregated over time, regardless of how many users you've had in a period of time. You you won't look at the individual sessions. That information is aggregated and you are able to see uh, for example, your uh, median, your P90 and P99, uh, which is what interests me about the RAM product because I tend to focus on the P99 figure. Whoever is in there has had a terrible time and uh, that forms the basis of, of, of my investigations. I want to know why uh, there are so many sessions in that P99 and that P99 is probably a six or seven second load time. I want to move that to a sub three second. So whoever is sitting in that P99 bucket is of interest to me, and I'm able to drill down further into their specific sessions to find out what was going on. More often than not, you'll find probably we have a data center in the United States, and this customer is sitting... Uh, somewhere in South Africa, for example, 
and their load time is affected by latency, there's really nothing we can do for that kind of user. Or perhaps there is. AWS now has data centers in South Africa as well. So it might mean that we need to route their traffic to a data center that's closer to them to get rid of uh, that uh, latency. Or our assets are loading a lot slower. We might have a cached site closer to them. Uh, so it does. we do have that ability of taking a bird's eye view on everything and decide on the specific areas that we really want to drill into. Yeah, I, I wish we had a way of breaking the speed of light. Um, I always joke around with folks when we're talking about, you know, latency between data centers and stuff that, you know, we haven't been able to figure out how to break the speed of light yet, but we are working on it. So, you know, keep tuned. Maybe we will one of these days. And I totally agree with you about the P99. You know, over the last 12 years, that has really become kind of that holy grail to me is the more I can push that P99 number down and get it as low as possible, um, the better experience for all of my customers uh, on any website that I'm working for. So I think that not a lot of people think about the P99 because when I talk to new customers who who are just kind of undertaking this journey of performance optimization, a lot of times I have to educate them on exactly what a P99 is. So maybe we could take a few seconds and you could tell me your understanding of what a P99 is. So any, any, any folks that are listening who aren't aware of it will, uh, will come away with, with a knowledge of what that is and why it's so important. All right. So my understanding of the P99 number of how we use it and how we display it to our customers is an aggregate value that a subset of your customers fall into. If you were to draw a normal distribution curve, it would appear like a a bell shape. And there is a long tail that will stretch towards the right, almost like in a symptom boundary. And right at the tip of that long tail, you've got a bucket with an arbitrary number. If you've got millions and millions of customers uh, on your website or an application, that number might be sitting in the hundreds of thousands. I always tie this with behaviors. I'm a millennial myself, and the younger generations after millennials have got far less patience than I do, and I've got far less patience than the generation before me, the baby boomers. So I want to maximize profits, and I know I'm dealing with people who don't have patience for slow loading sites. I'll give you an example. If I'm shopping online and the application I'm shopping with is not performing, I'll simply shut it down and move on to the next And if that's not also performant, I'll shut it down and move on to the next. So I'm interested in keeping these people that fall into that bucket of slow loading times. So for me, the P99 represents the number of people having the absolute worst experience with an application. That is why I take particular interest in it and find out those reasons that are affecting that small number of people. If I can solve their problem, I have probably improved the life of the 
98% before them. Exactly. That's exactly how I think about it. And that's a fantastic explanation. So we've got all of this data coming in from the browser, from the application. Um, We've got it bubbled up into dashboards and overarching metrics. What do you suggest people use all of this besides, you know, pushing down that P99 number? What other uh, uses for all of this information that you're gathering about an application's performance? What do you think folks should be using that for? Right. So from experience, I have learned that decisions should be made based on numbers. I think the better part of my career I have thumb-sucked a lot of numbers without real empirical evidence of why we are deciding on a certain thing. And if I can give you an instance where these numbers actually did help me in making up a lot of decisions. One of my previous roles, I was a team lead, and we had an application that had been problematic in that company for over two years. And the problems were we were trying to do everything in one go. And then hooking up uh, some monitoring tools and, you know, augmenting that user experience, we then realized that we were doing too much in, in one call. And there were certain transactions that could obviously be deferred and processed on the side without the user waiting for the feedback because most of the time they wouldn't be interested in that feedback anyways almost immediately it will be something that they would need to look at maybe a month later as an aggregated report or something where i'm going with this is looking at that data enabled me to redesign the application and i took the command query responsibility segregation pattern where stuff that is not mission critical is deferred for processing by a number of workers in the background. And the stuff that is mission critical is executed in uh, a transactional manner real time. So when you actually look at the performance of your application, you've got to determine what the happy path is, what the mission critical path is, and decide on you know deferring processing for later in the background not everything needs to be transactional and not everything needs to be real time so we are collecting all these metrics reporting on them and giving you data that you would need to look at to make an informed decision if you were to ask me why the application was originally designed in that manner of everything is transactional That is because somebody thumbsucked what the best practices were and thumbsucked that the loads would be so little and things would be performant. But over time, that didn't prove to hold up and it called for a complete redesign. So you might be a company out there experiencing one of these um, constant uh, problems with your applications where you can't decide what to keep and what to hold off. Having this kind of data enables you to see what that mission critical path is, what that happy path should be looking like for your customers and make that informed decision based on actual actionable data. So do you have any closing comments? I think the life of a developer is an interesting one. 
we fit in everywhere uh, where the situations permit. And we definitely take different routes to develop our careers. But ultimately, what we should all be concerned about is the quality of the products that I produce definitely reflect on my capability as a software developer. What sets me apart from the next developer is not the amount of cool techniques I can do with code. It's delivering a product that actually works. And what better way of knowing what works when you actually measure things? Everybody should live by the philosophy of assume nothing, measure everything. Everything and everything should be measured. That's fantastic advice. It's been phenomenal talking with you. It was educational for me, and I learned a lot about Raygun and what you guys do and how you think about the broad space of performance introspection. It was just great to talk to you, Innocent. Um, Looking forward to doing this again. And with that, um, thanks again for being on Codish. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I love these kind of um, things where we talk about uh, technology and uh, best practices. And kudos to Hiroki and Salesforce for having this sort of uh, thing out there. Absolutely. We're always happy to give back and to talk to folks that have been in the industry. And um, as I, I had an old boss who used to like to say that he didn't trust anybody in this industry that didn't have a few scars. Um, so to be able to show off our scars and and the stories behind them and hopefully allow other people to get different scars than we've gotten. Yeah, that's definitely the way we should be doing things. My experience should not be the next person's experience. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Codish podcast. Codish is produced by Heroku, the easiest way to deploy, manage, and scale your applications in the cloud. If you'd like to learn more about Codish or any of Heroku's podcasts, please visit heroku.com slash podcasts.